Well, I thank you, Adam, uh, for stopping by, taking uh, you know some time out of your busy schedule. We finally get to talk. Uh, yes. It's been, been following your work for a number of years now, and uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk was not only your web series, but just your work in general. But uh, I think we'll, we'll start off a little bit with, why don't you uh, tell uh, my audience a little bit about you? You started about, what now, 14 years ago when you started working? Yeah, yeah, and I think you've been following almost all of my work. N- nearly, if I'm not mistaken. yeah. Since since a grim becoming, so about half, so about half yeah. at least. Yeah. Have you ever seen Ambus Alien Invasion? I have not yet. No, it's oh. on my list, but I, I, you know, I just you know, I was, just, I was just talking to a producer today actually, and she was telling me she asked me what was my favorite movie, and uh-huh. uh, I said I think Ambus Alien Invasion is my favorite <laughs> film I ever did, and yes, I would recommend if you haven't seen that one, check that out, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what your question was now. What, oh, what? Uh, just yeah, tell, tell years. Yeah. Yeah, just tell yeah. my audience a little bit about yourself, what, you know, getting into the filmmaking and, and how you got started. Yeah, well, um, I wanted to be an actor back in high school and no one wanted to direct me. So unfortunately, or fortunately, however it was, I directed myself and I started liking the element of directing. Like mm-hmm. I was actually being able to tell a story and guide a path or guide an audience to through something. So I liked that. And I felt like, uh, actually, I think that that was a calling to me. So I eventually stopped acting. Although, if you know where to look, you can see several little guest appearances by yours truly. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen I've seen you pull I've seen you pull a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of Alfred Hitchcock there going on. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. but but then again, you you work with a uh, you work with a uh, uh, micro budget or lower budget, you know, uh, a smaller budget, I should say. I hate to say lower low budget, but. Um, so you gotta, you know, fill in those spots where you can, right? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Sometimes it's yourself. So yes, that is also true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I started about 14 years ago mm-hmm. and I kind of like, uh, you know, really got into the whole thing, trying to direct myself. And, uh, that obviously didn't work, became, uh, you know, uh, became just strictly a director about working behind the camera. And I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so that's where I started from. And, um, you know, as I've kind of grown in this this area or this entertainment field, I kind of feel like uh, I've more kind of come back a little bit because I'm I'm not really writing as much anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am writing a sequel to Ambus right now, and besides that, uh, you know, I'm I'm not really doing the writing. I you know, my wife actually has started writing, and she wrote a grim miniseries, Final Fracture, which is going to get a season two. Oh, nice. It is going to get a season yeah. two. Nice. So, yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. What, what was, uh, and I, that's what I was going to ask is what was the motivation for doing the web series? Was it the pandemic? Was it just uh, the wife had an idea and you're like, yeah, let's make it? Or uh, what was well, the you motivation? Know what? The, where it started from was I've been wanting to tell a romantic comedy mm-hmm. or just a romantic story. I don't know. It's just a different, like it's a different genre as a director to try to hurdle that you've never done before. <clears throat> and uh, so we started initially writing that and we actually shot that mm-hmm. and then we watched it and we're like, this isn't really like Steigert, you know, <laughs> this doesn't give the Steigert feel. And um, so I reached out to Sean Sanders who was in the Rific Elo monsters. And I said, Hey, I got this idea. And we want to add the grim reaper into uh, the miniseries because one thing we thought for sure was the Rific Elo monsters didn't have enough story of the grim reaper i think that's one of the biggest complaints i heard was (laughs) what is about the reaper so i'm like let's do something you know where he breaks the fourth wall Mm -hmm. 
let him talk directly to the audience. Let him tell us a story, and we can tell the romantic element behind it because we were trying to write a thriller initially, uh, a romantic thriller, and that obviously didn't work to our full um, our full thought process. But uh, yeah, we threw in a little bit of the horror, and uh, it works really well. I, I I think the I just love this is this is my favorite incarnation, if that's the right phrase, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm phrasing it right, uh, of the Grim Reaper character out of all the films I've done. Out of the Riffigil Monsters, A Grim Becoming, all those films, this is my top-of-the-line favorite Reaper. And we did stuff to his voice in this one that was a little bit different than what it was in the Riffigil Monsters, and it just made it feel that much better. Like, I I, uh, I, I enjoy the, the miniseries. I really do. And it's going to be coming out as one full film um, in the upcoming months, so be on the lookout for that. Oh, I, I could definitely see how it would play out like that. And yeah, and I've always, I've always loved your Grim Grim Reaper character. He, he just, he, he's been my favorite. Uh, I always thought it was interesting because we normally don't see the Grim Reaper himself yeah. in that type of role. You usually get like Crypt Keeper or somebody, you know, kind of telling the story. But in this case, we have the Grim Re- actual Grim Reaper. And, right. uh, you know, I, I liked, liked his humor and his portrayal as well. Uh, now, has the Grim Reaper always been played by the same individual? It has not. Uh, initially, what was started way back in the beginning with so the way the films kind of were shot was Amba's Alien Invasion was really the first big director type role I did. And then I did something called Homicidal Vengeance. And then I did a Grim Becoming was the like the next big feature after Amba's. And um, uh, that character uh, is played uh, is played by Brandon Williams. And he was actually initially supposed to transition into the Rific Evil Monsters and then probably would have gotten this type of spin-off series. Um, but uh, unfortunately, things didn't work out with him. And the same thing with Mike Sobrasi, because we had to figure out a way where we didn't want to take away from the grim death, right. um, from a grim becoming. You know, we didn't want to take... I'm, I'm trying to say... I don't know. It sounds funny, a grim death. But <laughs> if you've seen any of the work, death is a centralized character, and all the minions are the Grim Reapers. Right. And uh, we wanted Mike to come back and do the Riffic Eel Monsters, but again, things didn't work out. So we had to figure out new ways to create a story around a new death. How mm-hmm. a new... Because all we, we figured this is all the Grim Reapers are just extensions. They're just right. extensions of death because he has minions. He couldn't, he couldn't do it all by himself. Uh, trust me, I, when I say the mythology has been thought out of this, it has been thought to a T, my friend. I was going to say. Know, <laughs> biblically, we've looked at as much as we could to try to influence the, the characters of death and all that. Mm. But Mike Sabrasi as death um, is one of my all-time favorite characters. And he was in A Grim Becoming. He was supposed to, again, like I said, be the death in The Ripping Gill Monsters, but it didn't work out. And we had to figure out a way to, to kind of change the tone. But if you do watch the Grimm uh, miniseries, uh, Final Fracture, there is uh, a spoiler, I guess you could say. There is an actual... Mike is portrayed in an episode in in the background of the scene in a magazine. So if you're looking for it, you'll see it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Now, uh, had you always planned when you started this endeavor to having the the Steigert cinematic universe, or I believe, what do you call it, the Goreverse? Or did Gore-verse. you did, had you always planned on doing something like this, or did this kind of evolve as you went along? It evolved as I went along, and as I as I evolved it with a group of people, I started realizing we had continuity issues. Mm. So we decided that 
going forward, we may start telling more mini series type stories to kind of fill in the gaps to make things connect better. Because that was one of the things everybody's always asked me, or actually no one has asked me how long, I mean, like how long we've been thinking about doing this uh, in an interview before. And, and it actually has been since 2009. Wow. And it coincidentally came out with Iron Man. Iron Man was the inspiration. The Hulk, the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man were the inspiration. Because I'm like, oh, they're going to do like a whole little, probably like a four-part series. Yeah. <laughs> turned into an unlimited series of Marvel films and, and TV shows. And I'm like, well, we'll just figure out something that will connect in each part. And uh, yeah, so that's that's where we're at. Well, that's that's great that you had uh, that it evolved like that. And it sounds like you've thought out now that you've kind of committed to this. That you're thinking, you've thought out the mythology in that. Uh, do do yeah. you have like a little Bible book that you follow for yourself that you write for yourself? Or we have we have like a guideline, mm -hmm. I guess you could say. You know, we know the rules of the like the death character, right? Um, and we know the rules of other various characters, and we try to play within them. You know, um, and uh, sometimes it's weird because how are you going to tell a story which you know in that same universe there was a zombie apocalypse? Right. So you have to figure out ways to kind of figure out that that math. And um, I think you're going to see more of that story develop mm -hmm. very soon as well. So that's uh, kind of exciting. That That is very exciting, especially to see you take on something like this because you don't see that a lot. I, I think you see it a little bit more, like you said, inspired by Marvel, but I don't think you see that a whole lot in indie cinema especially you know when wow. when you're doing it uh, yourself basically uh <laughs> you and 380 studios uh doing it so yeah it's very impressive and i, and I like it i you know uh, is it uh horrific evil monsters i always get the two adjectives mixed up um i loved that movie because then you you really bring things that was like your evil avengers <laughs> yes yes and you know what i set out to make that film just to impress my wife really <laughs> uh, <laughs> Seriously, seriously. The, the story behind it is, um, uh, you know, I proposed to her in a sense of, hey, you want to write this story together? Mm -hmm. And we, we got married kind of around the same time. And we happened to just spend a weekend uh, up in Allegheny State Park in New York and just spent a weekend out of cell signal and just wrote this this story. And uh, there are things that didn't make it mm -hmm. that you you know that <laughs> i always get to upset about it because the story was a lot longer sure and uh we cut it down a little bit but there are things that didn't make it that were really quite awesome too but we wrote this whole story um within a weekend basically wow. we had a we had a treatment an outline a very rough outline but it wasn't completed and then we went out and we spent a weekend pretty inebriated and uh <laughs> just wrote it so if you watch that film you gotta i mean you're, you're thinking of everything. Think about two writers that were just kind of like out of their minds at the time of watching it. So, Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with that. I, I like that. I find that inspired. And, and especially with you doing indie cinema, you you being kind of your own boss with you, you handling the production to that, you can make the choices. You don't have another producer necessarily in your ear going, well, you you can't do that, do you? Or, or does your wife yeah. kind of come up to no, you and go, she... you know? For, well, for that for that film, yeah, you know, each film has different sets of people that uh, made the film a sure. reality, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, each project you do, you get a different crew. Uh, but in this specific, the Riffy Monsters, you know what? I was trying just to impress her. I wanted to just impress her in some way, you know, um, and kind of you know bring all the stories that I have been working on for so many years together in just one big you know, like you said, mashup. And it was, it was pretty, it was pretty fun. And, uh, 
I, I really enjoy the Ravicula Monsters. Um, you know, my favorite film still is Amba's Alien Invasion, but, uh, you know, can't win them all, I guess. Now, coming back to uh, your Grim Becoming series, uh, did you have any people that you had worked with before coming back to help you with the web series, either in front or behind the camera? Oh, good question. Um, really, uh, uh, Christopher Burns Jr., who's been my partner through all these films, and then Kristen also recently, uh, in the last couple of years, came on as a producer and a partner on some of this. And uh, it's always great to have a relationship within the business because it's very hard mm -hmm. to, you know, have a relationship outside of it. So, you know, we live, eat and breathe this, the three of us. Uh, and I call them, my, they're both Chris, you know, and uh, <laughs> so I, I say those are my, uh, um, that's my family right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they, they've helped me bring realities and dreams come to true. Um, but, uh, you know, Chris Burns, he's been with me since the beginning. Yeah. And uh, he's he was he worked on a Grim Becoming. In fact, he even has written uh, a Christmas spinoff of a Grim Becoming uh, called a Grim Christmas. That I don't know if we'll ever see the day, but maybe, maybe. Uh, so those are very two inspirational people that have helped me throughout right. my career. Now, for casting for uh, uh, the uh, series, the Final Fracture. Now you did. Did you shoot this during the pandemic, or did you get most of it shot before the pandemic? We started, um, we started right before, no, actually, no, we did it all through the pandemic. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So, so how big of a challenge was it for the casting? Um, the, the challenge for the casting, I kind of already had, uh, people picked out that mm -hmm. I wanted to do mm -hmm. or to, to wanted to work right. with rather. And, uh, you know, Kristen obviously put it, played a lot into that. And, uh, you know, we approached them. And some of these shots, we were like, you know, how are we going to shoot this? Because when we started, the vaccines just uh, had started. Actually, the vaccines had not come out yet right. when we started. And then we took a few months off and then we started and the vaccines were starting to come out. So, you know, it was kind of interesting because we were basically creating our own formula of how to have a safe set mm -hmm. while having safe set. Um, so a lot of times if you watch the film, uh, most of those scenes were never shot with more than one actor. Mm -hmm. So if you watch them, you think they're in the same room together, but you know we shot them on completely different days for sure. safety purposes. Um, I know you mentioned in the review that we had green screen. We actually had no green screen in the entire series. Really? So, really? Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, yeah. It just yeah. it, a couple of the scenes looked like it, so it was it was hard. To Everything was pre no. It, it's cool because somebody else, you know, mm -hmm. I mean. When we went into this, I wanted a real digital look to a lot sure. of this. Mm -hmm. So some of it does come off as a little more digital than what you would normally see. I like to reference it as like, think of the, the Star Wars series and spinoffs, mm -hmm. how they, hey, they use those bigger TVs. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, yep. but they use big TVs to kind of like shoot the scene. And then they would put, they would stage everything in the beginning or in the middle of right. all that. And that's kind of what our, our theory was behind this. So um, so you're not totally wrong that there are digital elements to it. Sure. <laughs> it's just, uh, it wasn't, I think green screen is done, man. If yeah. people know how to do more of screen sharing, mm -hmm. it's, it's just a little bit better. But yes, sorry about no, that. No, that's okay. No, I, I, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Uh, it, that's great that you're using that because, yeah, the Mandalorian – uh, did that and now everybody's using that the uh the live environment or whatever it's called to where it's it's kind of taken a step back i've talked to some of my friends yeah. on it to it where is, i'm it. like i'm like you're not doing composite anymore you're basically doing rear projection like in king kong from 1930 <laughs> yeah yeah 
And, uh, you know, it worked in the 30s. Yeah. You know? I mean, actually, if you watch some of those older films, like King Kong, for specific, specifically, mm -hmm. you know, the stop animation isn't great, but, like, the scenes themselves, the matte paintings and stuff are brilliant. They are brilliant. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and even some of the early Disney cartoons where you have the matte paintings, where they have the layered on glass, and you right. look at the stuff of that, and you're basically doing the digital version of that nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So, so almost a hundred year old techniques, and people are still using them because it's what works, right? <laughs> it, yes, and I'll tell you, it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot yeah. cheaper. I, oh, I bet it's a lot cheaper. You design the you design the picture in mm -hmm. a computer with one person or you know a team of people, right. whoever you know is doing your digital stuff. You put it on a TV or a projection, like you said, and I mean, it's well, it's brilliant. And it say I imagine it saves you in post production because you don't have to worry about with the chroma and oh yeah she was actually they were actually wearing this colored yeah. you know <laughs> and now now they're invisible crap now what do we do <laughs> the the scene that I don't know if it, this is what stuck out to you mm -hmm. but the scene that I really love in a grim miniseries is the diner scene or right. the yep. the the restaurant scene mm -hmm. that is a whole digital environment that we put behind it. Um, but like, there are real things in that scene. Like there's a candle in every shot. That's real. The actor obviously is real. Right. And yeah. the projection is positioned in a way so further back to make it not seem as, well, I guess you caught it. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was just a little bit different. That's all, you know, it didn't yeah. look, it's, it's not like right. it bad, but it's yeah. especially, you know, if you watch a lot, it was just something I noticed that was an interesting element. I was For like, sure. you know, and especially nowadays, uh, you know, with the pandemic, especially, uh, you notice in a lot of indie productions, you have to get creative because you couldn't exactly go to a public place and, and shoot. <laughs> yeah. Um, if we wanted to make this film a grim miniseries, yeah. that that whole that whole picture, uh, I don't know if we could have done it during mm -hmm. the miniseries. A lot of it is shot in my home uh, with different backgrounds and setups and stuff mm -hmm. like that and on our property. So. I mean, it was very contained to specifically me uh, for a lot of the locations. And the other thing, too, with it is uh, because we were trying to make sure everybody was safe all the time, you know, during production, um, it just felt safer. Yeah. We're, you know, smaller cast, smaller crew. Mm -hmm. I do love bigger crews. It's a lot helpful. <laughs> oh, I but, imagine. Uh, you know, this was a good, good little test for mm -hmm. the period that we were living through. And it's a test of time, too. Think about how long from going forward, how long... Looking back, I should say, mm -hmm. what that will look like to people in the future. Oh, that film was shot during the pandemic. Oh, I mean, yeah, that, some of those things. And well, it it has you get creative, and and you get to maybe approach things like you did with the digital background that you may not have thought of or taken a chance to explore right. before you were limited. You know, it's right. it's it's one of those things where I've seen some really cool stuff done now that was shot during the pandemic with safe sets and everything. You're like, wow, they did that, you know, through creative editing and production. And you mentioned it before, how uh, you kind of taken a step back and are just doing the director stuff. Uh, I noticed in your credits in that and some of the works, sometimes you did a lot more work on it than the others. Was that uh, just personal choice on how much work you had to do? Or was it where you have to, you, you said, I got to take a step back and let someone else edit this or, uh, you know, write this. Well, you know what? To be honest with you, um, the idea was Kristen's to begin with, mm -hmm. and uh, you know I had to foster certain things along. Like I was, I'm very 
stern on continuing a same storyline timeline. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes there's pushback on that, but we come together and we eventually get you the story that you see. Uh, I think one thing that I've kind of like gotten into more is marketing, uh, promotion type stuff. So I've kind of wanted to step back on a lot of things. I've been doing film almost straight now since I was, since I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And that was like when I, I want to say it was like junior year. So uh, maybe even sophomore year. So like 2003, mm. that's what mm. I normally I go off as 2003 to now 2022. And uh, for a while there, I was making like feature after feature after feature. And it's just gotten to a point where I don't know if I have the stamina or the energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The politics, the between politics and trying to run those bigger sets, it gets mm. exhausting. It gets exhausting. Yeah, and I think people don't realize just how exhausting taking that role is, especially as a director. I mean, you hear about it, you know, but I think people don't quite realize just the amount of pressure or work that you have to do. Just even, yeah. you know, when the it's not just, okay, you show up when the camera starts rolling, you tell them action, cut, do this, and then you leave. You're, you're pretty much working around the clock, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have a day job, so this is not my permanent sure. job. Uh, and and uh, I will tell you that uh, I do my day job and then I go right into my night job. Mm -hmm. And then the, when I have a weekend job and then like, I, I want to be something. I want these films to have a life of their own way past my lifetime. And uh, I hope people will, you know, watch that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so eventually I'll, I'm going to be, it's going to be too much for me. It's just, <laughs> it's going to get to a point where I've said, okay, enough's enough. I don't think I can take it, mm -hmm. but uh, you are very right. When you say um, people don't see what goes into these things. Right. And that's why I like when, whenever you review our work, I always really, really appreciate it because I feel like you come from a, a background of understanding how we are trying to create these stories. And I, I really appreciate that. And I'm so grateful that you've, again, like have, um, have followed my work for so many years. <laughs> Seriously. Well, 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 thank you. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be on a couple involved in a couple of indie projects. Uh, one specifically, our good, uh, my good friend, uh, Mr. Derek Carey, he's a professional editor and uh, he's made a few films. He helped make an anthology film called A Hole in the Wall, which he asked me to be part of. I was a, I was a script supervisor and well, many hats. Because indie production, you're not just one thing. If you think you're going to no. go to an indie production with just one thing, you're fooling yourself. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but I got to see behind the scenes what all is involved. Got to talk to him, you know, on the car rides to set and back. And uh, really, it gave me a, a, a whole nother appreciation. And also interviewing folks like yourself for years to where it's like, yeah, these folks are doing this because you love making films. Like you said, you have a day job. So yeah. it's like, yeah. and the majority of the indie filmmakers I talk to, that's the same thing. I've got a day job. This is my second job. And mm -hmm. you're you're putting in 13 hours sometimes on set. I remember a few weekends where we were long after the rest of the cast went home, we're in the up top part of a barn at like nine o'clock at night trying to test out how's this blood going to work when you hammer the guy in the head <laughs> yeah i've been there quite a few times i can tell you horror stories man 
<laughs> I bet. Um, so for uh, special effects in that, you you you. Tr it seems like you try to use a lot of practical where you can. Is that uh, yeah. by by choice? Because I know I, there's a lot of ways you could go digital now, but you could usually tell that it's yes. digital. Um, yeah, I, I am. Uh, I am very inspired by uh, uh, the hell is the movie Evil Dead Two. Mm, yes. Um, I'm very inspired by the type of, if you ever watch some of my like blood effects, mm -hmm. I mean, they're always over the top there in a grim becoming. There's a scene where, I mean, even in Fang and there's a couple other films that too, that literally buckets of blood, <laughs> you know, two people are out the side of the camera and they're just throwing buckets. Well, there's a scene in star, uh, space trailing alien reject. And in that film at the very end, a car gets crushed up and it crushes a group of two girls. Yeah. And what that is a mixture of like a matte painting, which is a still frame of the shot in this case. And then what I did is, or what we did is we had a guy with a bucket of blood over here and then we would take them out after they dropped the, the first bucket. And then, then we would throw another bucket on the other side. So it looked like two people were crushed when the digital effect came in. So, nice. I mean, those are the things you have to think about, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> but yes, but yes, I mean, and that looked good uh, in the mm -hmm. sense of the way that we were trying to shoot for. But like even in a grim miniseries, Final Fracture, there's a scene where uh, somebody gets hit in the head. Yeah. And uh, um, that actually was a longer take mm -hmm. uh, that was done. Uh, the actor originally rolled their their eyes back in their head and everything like that. And more blood came down their head. And, uh, you know, the the shot that you see in the series is the first take that we did of it. Oh, no. And we did so many takes, man. <laughs> And they, they got really bloody at, at times. Sure, sure. <laughs> this was shot in my house, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you uh, yeah, you had some cleanup work afterwards, I imagine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, but yes, I'm very inspired by those, like, practical effects, though. No, oh, that's and that's great to see because even in like big budget films, like uh, was it a few years ago, American Sniper, what it came out, you know, big budget film, Clint Eastwood, with the whole nine year. There's an opening shot in the beginning where the sniper uh, he has a victim, and I looked at it going, "You've got to be kidding me!" You could tell it was like they put this little digital red blotch on the body in the distance, and you could so yeah. tell. And I'm just like. Yeah really this big but i'm like i've seen it better in indie film <laughs> yes yes you know i would really when you get a chance get that um get on off your list because i will i if you like practical effects that mm -hmm. film probably has the most practical effects i ever did in a film next to prisoners of the dead if you've ever seen that one i i don't think i've seen prisoners either but um star you had a lot of puppet work you know, yeah, and, and yeah. that that surprised me. How ch how big of a challenge was that? Because I love the puppet, but I mean, your main character is an actual puppet, not like a digital puppet or something. Uh, you know, how yes. much work was that? <laughs> well, that that was, and I I have to put him into the the, the frame here for oh, you because this I... is one of my. And he actually is off camera right now and in, in the corner. Sure. But uh, this is the this is Star right there for those that have not seen that film yet. Um, but, uh, essentially, um, Pat Millette, uh, and his partner at the time worked and manipulated this whole character. So it was two, two people always puppeting. Oh, wow. One was one arm, the other one was the other arm. And then somebody would have their hand up the back and then the mic was on the actor. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of hard, man. 
I'll be honest with you. It was quite hard. <laughs> well, especially because he had to frame the shots so they're not in it, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. There are some scenes in Star where you, you you may question where the actor is, but I think <laughs> if anybody knows how puppetry works, sure. it's always the hand up the back type of situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it doesn't have far to go. <laughs> so there's a scene um, in Star, I think there's a set of boxes. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. There's a in the original theatrical cut, there's a scene of boxes and star is sitting on top of the boxes, but there's boxes that go up behind him. So the boxes like hid the actor. So you don't ever see it. And he stuck his hand in there. So yeah, it was hard. man. It's a a hard thing. We did a chase scene, a a car chase scene with a puppet in it. And that was, that was interesting. We had a fight sequence with a puppet in it. They were not easy to shoot. (laughs) But you like to challenge yourself. It sounds like with something new all the time, rather than doing the same old, same old, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. Uh, out of all the films, I am I am probably less affectionate about Star because of the amount of work it went into. Oh, it, sure. Uh, at a different level, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those films. And then you had a uh, you know Fang, which I love, which is like another completely different movie from your other films, which I yeah I enjoyed uh, quite a bit. And that was, you know, I, I liked your approach to it. It had a little more a classic horror type film you know with the house and everything how did you pick that location in that for that house that house is in the finger lakes in Mm -hmm. uh new york and uh we my the production and myself we went through and we looked for homes that we could rent out for a weekend sure Mm -hmm. and we came across this uh cathedral building which happened to be the fang house and uh it was normally used for primary it was used for weddings And uh, I will tell you, the experience with the landowner was not the best experience. Oh, I I don't like to talk about it a lot only because, you know, no one really ever asks. But the the landowner was not very friendly to us. Mm. I'll say that, Um, you know, concerned probably with the production (laughs) that I I imagine. let's, Let's say this. I haven't done a film without film insurance and i would recommend any independent filmmaker never do a film without film insurance i had three three insurances on that single film wow and people don't know that yeah that's one of those films <laughs> that's one of those films but it, it's great i mean then the location seemed to work really yeah. well for the story i mean it... all that aside the landowner you know the landowner is what it, you know i can understand their position sure. but at the same time they have a nice home yeah um and hopefully, you know, as that film grows, it'll grow more interest into their property. And then they'll be calling me saying thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Uh, I hope so, for sure. And then, uh, you know, with uh, Horrific Evil Monsters, you had an interesting cast because I recognized a lot of faces from from indie other indie projects in that uh did you seek those individuals out specifically or did they come to you to audition how did the casting go for that one <laughs> well for for the most part on that um the, starting off with that 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 film itself mm-hmm. uh, i wanted to work with kaylee williams like right. kaylee williams is really big into independent film she is a great phenomenal actress and mm-hmm. i had been trying to get with her in the sense of bringing her onto a film since like I think, if I'm not mistaken, Ambus or Prisoners of the Dead, which oh, is like okay. some of my early stuff. And uh, we just, it just, the stories didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, I wanted her as a lead. So, like, spe- just referring to her specifically, 
she was a very big inspiration. She's my all-time favorite character out of any film I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, my wife was so nice of nice to get me a bobblehead of her man. Oh, Look at nice. That. That's awesome. Yes. And it even has, I don't know if you could see it on there, but it has the, uh, the bite. Yeah. It, ha- it has the bite, but it also has the name tag. Oh, that says nice. Anna. And uh, like, that's one of my, my favorite props too, that I have right in my room. Anna, I, nice. this is the tag she wore. It's so cool. Anyways, um, so that, so she was somebody I'm like, I'm going to draft this role for you because mm-hmm. I want to work with you. And I don't know how many more projects I'm going to have the stamina to continue working on film. So this is going to be it. Gregory Blair. Uh, I love Gregory Blair. He's awesome. Just, <laughs> the man, the man um, you know, we've been in talks for a while trying to get him to do a Fang too. So mm-hmm. there may be a, a, another film with him coming out uh, hopefully someday. Um I worked with him on Fang, and I said, hey, I got to have him in the Rific Evil Monsters. Um, and then, uh, you know, Will Nemi was another mm-hmm. big actor that was in that film. Bishop Stevens. Um, Sean Sanders was the Grim Reaper. Um, you know, uh, Jason Beebe. Jason mm-hmm. John Beebe was uh, was War. Uh, Mike Zeros was Death. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, a lot of those characters, yeah. You know, they had been fostered relationships over the years. And I'm like, hey, you know what? This is the right film for you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there it is. Well, and the scope of that film, too. I mean, you you had you. you, It was it was surprising when I was watching it. The scope of when you get the street scene, I'm like, they have a major street scene in here, which I mean, it was fitting for the story. But (laughs) uh, that looked like it was probably a challenge to to coordinate as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was working with the Buffalo Film Commission. Thankfully, mm-hmm. they like me. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we, our company, um, has always brought, and, and with my leadership too, I, mm-hmm. whenever I've been in a different company, we've always brought, uh, our professionalism. Sure. And that's the main thing that if you want to go into this and you want to get those types of things and you want to work with the Film Commission, you got to show them that you're no bullshit. Right. You know, and that is, that is one thing that, that I guess I do and I do well and I, you know, have the the track record to show it. Um, the hard ones and, and you haven't even seen them. I don't think the hard ones were when we flipped over cars and like prisoners of the dead and stuff and mm-hmm. stru- like threw them across the streets and stuff. Did you see prisoners? <laughs> I, I did not see prisoners. Though, All right. Well, you got to get on that I, one too. This is first right in the, I'm writing the list. I'm this is first. Yes. This is first. <laughs> and uh, I'm this too. I'm this. We had uh, flipped over cars as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we went to the village. Hold on a second. Yeah. Need a little thirst quencher. Sure. We went to the village and, you know, we came in suits and all that. My whole team, we gave a professional, um, meeting mm-hmm. with them at a board meeting and they believed in us and allowed us to do prisoners of the dead was shot there first. And then we did Ambus there the second time. They enjoyed the experience so much. But what's so great about doing those two films and working within a community, being that, you know, I don't ever go into any of this expecting to make millions of dollars by any means, but it would be nice. (laughs) Um, But uh, we went into it with the thought of just trying to help a community. Mm -hmm. And where those two films were shot, uh, the community has really suffered over the last couple of years, especially the pandemic, I think, is the last straw for that community Mm -hmm. or very close to being the last straw. There's some new life growing out of it, but uh, where we're at now, like they just lost their theater. Ooh, so, yeah. <clears throat> um, 
but uh, to to do that, we just to be brief with it, mm-hmm. you know, when we came in there, we brought thousands of people, sure. thousands of people for those films, and uh, like it, it increased their economy and stuff. Like a lot of their restaurants saw booming business, and that was what we were hoping for. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you know, the film was obviously secondary at the time, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the one film, Prisoners of Dead, we went into it without even a script. We got the location, but it had no friggin' script. So, <laughs> and then we had six months to say we need a script done. So we, we had, that was what we, yeah, that was what we did. Uh, but you know, and I think that gives some great perspective because uh, a number of folks, when they, especially nowadays, since you have basically your 4K camera in your hand or something, a lot of people think, oh, I could just shoot it indie film and and just do this. And well, you can, but you can't do the production scale like you have without actually come doing presenting it professionally because i imagine if you just would have showed up and go yeah we kind of want to do a zombie film Uh, we don't have a script yet but you know we'd like to take over a section of your street or your town for you know i don't know maybe a week or so and you know when we came in when we came in we had evacuation routes already designed Mm -hmm. that was one thing i was very you know very it was very important for me to have them to have an alternative route and you know, like uh, for for traffic purposes, right? And uh, when we got there, they're like, "Well, you know what? We'll just shut it down to this one section." Which I'm I'm like, "But then you're gonna have real traffic problems." Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> they're like, "You know what? We don't care. We we believe in this. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna mm-hmm. let you." I don't think they said that we don't care, but right, I, right. I, I they would handle it. So, well, that, you know, that's great people. that you you have that uh that backing of the community in that. Uh, for Dude, they brought out they brought out fire trucks mm-hmm. and police cars for us for prisoners. <laughs> they let us use them on our sets. And then in Ombus Alien Invasion, uh, you know, I reached out to the local municipality, the police mm-hmm. department there, and they allowed us a police car to shoot with. Oh wow! Like an actual yeah. police car. That's... Yeah. So when you watch Ombus and Prisoners of the Dead, those are real police cars and real fire trucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, like in uh, Horrific Evil Monsters, you have. Uh, a whole uh, uh, um, hardware store you take over. <laughs> yeah, uh, pet store. Pet, pet store, store. Excuse me, pet yeah. store. It was supposed yeah. to be a hardware store, though. Ah, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just you know it surprises me with the scope and and things that you do with uh, uh, your films, uh, and that's part of the reason why I've followed. You know, I've enjoyed following a lot of your movies. Is that it's because. And that's why I try to use like either say small budget or micro budget rather than low budget, because I think people, when they hear low budget indie film, that has kind of a stigma to it. Do you run into that when like you're trying to get a location or something and you come in and you go, well, we're an independent film. And they're like, oh, you're going to make porn. Uh, (laughs) Well, I've heard that before. Yeah. I've been offered to make porn before too (laughs) Uh, by, by uh, LA producers way back in the beginning of my career. Sure. And, um, and yeah, so I've gone through some things, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, a lot of people, the the first thing that they always think is when they think independent, they don't think the level of what uh, I bring to it, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what the scale of the story is we're going to tell in your location. And so a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you can just use our location. I'm like, all right, I'm going to use your location. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we get contracts and we get sure. insurance clauses mm-hmm. and stuff and everything like that. I would always tell independent filmmakers two things. Don't ever do a film without a contract and don't do ever don't do a film without film insurance. It's a little bit of money. Yes, the, the insurance, um, but it's an investment and a stress off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. So 
And uh, I imagine that, you know, that's why people wonder, what do producers do? They do stuff like that. Don't they coordinate stuff like that? So uh, the director doesn't necessarily have to. Uh, Sometimes uh, Mm -hmm. I am very in the beginning of my career and I I work with a good team of people now, so Mm -hmm. they know their positions. But in the beginning, I oversee I oversaw everything and I would scrutinize it to make sure that a that I was you know, upholding Mm -hmm. what I was supposed to as a person, as a director of the, you know, the guy in charge of this. But, uh, you know, I had a lot of input on a lot of stuff early on. Um, So, yeah, yeah, a lot of producers, they get involved with sending out contracts and things. And, yeah, it just depends on what the, the, which film you're referring to, of course. Right. (laughs) It it always varies depending on what you can get, Mm -hmm. uh, I imagine. Uh, Speaking of what you can get uh, with your cast, like I said, you've always gotten a lot of talent. What surprised me with your web series uh, was the young actress you got to play the very the the, the young version of the lead yeah. um what was that casting like did you have someone in mind as well or did you have to go through some auditions uh, how'd you go about picking her because she was she was scary she... Kristen found uh Haley Haley, Gro- yeah. Haley Grogan is the, the actress she was actually in the horrific evil monsters right yep. she has a scene with famine and all that and Kristen um was very excited to work with her again and wants to work with her even more. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she reached out to Haley's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. agents and stuff and asked them if they would be interested in, in doing another audition. And we didn't even, ca- we didn't try and find anybody else. She was the person that we wanted from the get go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they said, yes. Yeah. Cause she's in my uh, favorite of the episodes. I, I liked the, the whole series, but I loved good I loved Good Kitty. That was, that was some bad seed stuff going on there. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. In episode eight, um, there's a cameo, and I won't give away what the cameo is, but it would make more context if you see Ambus. <laughs> I will. I will definitely. I will. It is on my list to watch Ambus. I might even watch it this weekend. So I've just given uh, you a you hard just... time, my friend. You <laughs> no, know that's I am. Okay. I, uh, I appreciate everything you do for us, seriously. So uh, I, I'm just giving a hard time. Uh, what would you say was, uh, you hear stories too of working with young performers though. Uh, what kind of challenges does it add when you have a younger person on set like that for part of your cast? Well, I when I started off, I invested a lot in a young actress, mm-hmm. um, a very young actress. Um, and uh, unfortunately, she basically stopped acting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was kind of taken back by it because uh, I personally had kind of gotten like a, a fondness of this actress. Mm-hmm. And um, so working when I started developing the films later on, like Fang and uh, anything really after Star, um you know, I kind of said, well, I kind of want to stay away from young right. actors because I, I, I think young actors are the best actors, mm-hmm. okay? Because they play pretend way better than us adults. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, so I'm always apprehensive about working with young actors now because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, where are they going to be in 10 years type of thing? Right. Are they going to want to do this or is this like a fling type of thing? And uh, when Kristen showed me Haley's audition for... The Riffic Evil Monsters, I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. I wish I had something bigger for her to do in right. that film. And even in this film, I, our series, you know, it was just it was a smaller project. So we didn't have the the leading role, but she mm-hmm. is definitely somebody that could be a leading role. Um, with that being said, though, to answer your question, she, uh, Haley, that is, 
um, we had our parents on set the entire time and we were during COVID. So, you know, we were very sure that we had our distances because we didn't, you know, in the beginning it was all six feet from everybody. Um, and, uh, masks were always a thing. And, uh, we shot in the winter time. It doesn't look like it, but we shot that scene on a wintry day Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it was cold. So you have to make sure that they're not outside too long. Basically is when you have a child actor and it should be for any actor, but when you have a child actor, you should, your priority is to get them in and out first. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that includes to set. So if you're not shooting something and it's an outdoor scene and it's raining or it's cold or something, they're inside until the very minute you're ready to roll. You know what I mean? And they're keeping warm. So it's very disciplined. You got to be very disciplined and think that these, these actors are actually people. Right. And a lot of people don't look at it like that sometimes, especially (laughs) independent. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard some horror stories there as well. Uh, now, in the web series, one other character that really stood out for me, besides, uh, I mean, everybody was interested, but your doctor, uh, Doctor Bill, Doctor Bill. Uh, yeah, <laughs> tell me a little bit about how his character came about because, uh, in all honesty, I got creepy vibes from the start from him. <laughs> so it was just one well, of those things. Mark Mark Bugamil yeah. was an actor. I was a judge for uh, the Buffalo 48-Hour Film Festival a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And I saw this performance by Mark, and I'm like, oh, my God. I have got to work with this this actor. I have to figure out a way to work with him. And um, I, you know, I met with him after, and I, after the event, and I said, man, you are so talented. I'd love to work with you somehow. I brought it up to my wife, and when she was writing the story – she watched something that he was in mm-hmm. and she goes, yep, he is, he is definitely it. And, uh, he did an audition and boom, way he went. And he is forever in the, the archives of the Gorvers. So. <laughs> and, and, and I'm glad because it, it, he's got a subtle creepiness to him. And, 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 uh, yeah, I was kind of wanting to see even more of his character. I'm like, there's a story there with this guy. <laughs> yeah. You, you never know. Maybe there's a, you know, maybe they return in season two. I'm just Ooh. saying, well, because I, uh, the way that we leave the series without spoiling anything is pretty epic. Yes. I, I loved the way I loved how that played out. And I will say, and I'm not spoiling either, but I will say I was surprised and I enjoyed the way it ended because I was just like, damn it. They got me. I'm like, I, I should have put it together, but I did it. And I'm like, Oh man. But episode eight know. though, does not open up like the other seven. No. It does mm-hmm. not. It opens up on a different perspective, and and you kind of like feel like, well, where's my comfort? Like I've gotten a comfort food from all this. Where is where is this the character that I'm looking for here? And uh, you know, you don't have him. Yeah. And uh, you, you you do end up getting him, but uh, it's and, and he doesn't speak in it. And oh, it's just it's different. <laughs> it's, it it's different. It is definitely different. And uh, so is your web series. And I hope everybody picks, uh, you know, checks it out. Uh, right now they can get the series on Vimeo, but uh, the movie version you said is going to come out later. Uh, yeah. Uh, right now you can get it on Vimeo and you can also watch it on YouTube. Sure. Um, we have a lot of behind the scenes stuff on YouTube, but um, yeah, it's going to be coming out on uh, a variety of other platforms, probably like Tubi and Amazon and all that. Uh, those will be the ones that will be coming out next. Um, I don't have release dates yet, but sure. they're getting close. They're getting close. <laughs> um, I think the big thing is we're waiting for YouTube to finish up its eight episodes. Right. And then we're going to move into promoting the entire series as one film. And we're going to do a couple film festivals on just the film itself as a mini, uh, uh, a short film that is. Sure. 
And uh, yeah, you'll be able to watch it uh, on your favorite streaming platform at some point throughout this upcoming year. Nice. And what is next for uh, 388 Studios? Uh, we are working on a second season to the Grim miniseries, but it won't be called Final Fracture. It'll be called Howl. Okay. And um, it'll feature, from what I'm told, uh, vampires and werewolves, Ooh, again, nice. kind of going that route. Mm -hmm. um, we have a project called Dead West, which is in development. And if you've watched any of my later films, you'll notice that there's little things, little subtle things about Dead West. In fact, there's a huge thing in a Grim miniseries if you notice it. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed it, but if you noticed it, there's something in the miniseries. Um, the post-credits of the Refugio Monsters set up that story. Right. Uh, and that is just a, it's a zombie Western, man. Zombies and Western. And um, then the one I'm actually currently writing right now as we speak and developing actively, who knows if it'll ever happen or not, but uh, is Ambus 2, which is called Ambus Alien Awakening. So... <laughs> That nice. is what I'm doing. But, uh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, all exciting stuff. Uh, people, uh, you need to check this out. Where can they follow uh, what's coming up for uh, your studio and for you in general? Well, we do have plenty of Facebook pages. Sure. You got me, Adam Style. You can find me on there. Um, uh, 388 Studios is the company I work with. Um, you can find us on YouTube with uh, Indie Adam, which is kind of like over in here somewhere. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm on the Twitter, I'm on the Instagram, I'm on all those favorite social media things, even a little bit of TikTok, but I'm not good at it yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, TikTok is a little, uh, it's a beast all its own. Let's put it. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's where I, you can find me. And um, I'm very engaging. So if you're somebody that watches any of the work and wants to reach out, I always try to comment and respond mm -hmm. to you. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. That's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule, Adam. I appreciate it. Glad I got uh, to talk to you, and I'm definitely looking forward to your other projects. So, I appreciate it, uh, Mark. Uh, thank you for everything, and get to see Ambus okay. and Prisoner of the Dead. <laughs> I will. I will put those on my watch list. I need to see. I need week. to see the Mark the Movie Man <laughs> review of those. That's what I need to I, see. That's it, what I need in my life. When, when I watch those, yeah. I will do reviews of those. I will. I will make sure of it. So, <laughs> well, you. you are the man, and I am so grateful for mm. being in the spoiler room here. So, yes. uh, thank you for having me.